Welcome to Boiling Point, the podcast to motivate ever-evolving entrepreneurs and forward-thinking movement pioneers. Our hosts, filmmaker Greg Hemmings and executive coach Dave Vale, are turning up to heat in the world's business communities. Our interviews with entrepreneurs, thought leaders, and movement makers are raising the temperature of inspiration. Live from the hottest studio in this quadrant of the universe, here are Dave and Greg. Um, so, hey, we're rolling, so this is good. Um, we're, we're sharing a microphone for the first time in 173 episodes. episodes. Dave, I've never been this close to you before. We, we have, because we did a documentary together. This close? Yeah. <laughs> we were coaching this close. <laughs> well, Dave. So, so, Dave, I'm really excited to be close to you right now. Do you know why you're so close to me right now? It's because we have three of something here. You tell me. Microphones. Ah, yes. And, and four, four people. Four grown men. So, uh, <laughs> so growing men. Gro- growing men. Growing men. So, um, yeah, we've we, we've got uh, a, a full a full stock here. Um, Jeff, why don't you start by introducing yourself and sure. also introduce uh, the fine gentleman that you brought in tow. Yeah, thanks. So, uh, well, first of all, thanks for having me. And you guys do look really great that close together, I will say. Mm. We should get a photo of this. <laughs> we should. So, uh, yeah, so I'm Jeff McAloon. I'm the president and CEO of the St. John Regional Hospital Foundation. We're a healthcare foundation in New Brunswick that supports uh, the largest tertiary care trauma center in our province. Uh, we support equipment and education and research, innovative advancements in healthcare, essentially, uh, is, our, is our bag of tricks. So I'm really lucky to have brought along with me Dr. Paul Atkinson. Uh, most importantly, he's a really good friend of mine, uh, but, uh, you know, there's a few other great things about him. He's a trained emergency medicine physician. He came to St. John from Cambridge University where he's trained, worked at Cambridge, uh, came to little old St. John and fell in love with this part of the world and brought his family over and have stayed and they're never leaving. Uh, But he uh, also- Never. Never. That's on the record now. Paul also leads our emergency medicine research program at the regional. Uh, and through his leadership, that team has published papers internationally. They've received international recognition for the work that they've done. Uh, and we're really lucky to have him in here in our community. So. Well, welcome, Paul. But what, Thank I, you. what I'd like you to do is... is tell the truth. Tell, tell, <laughs> tell the truth, but also because you had no idea you are going to be pulled here. What happened probably 45 minutes ago when Jeff came <laughs> racing into your uh, into the emergency room and said, you're coming with me? How did that go down? He said, just, just leave this resuscitation. They'll be fine. Just come with me. We've got something more important to do. Right? Is that um, how it went? <laughs> something like that. No, no, absolutely not. I actually don't start work until four today, so we're good. Uh, one of the benefits of emergency medicine is getting to work past midnight most days. So there you go. Yeah, um, yeah no, thank you for uh, for the invite to come here. And most of what he says is true. I'm not going to argue with any of that. I will say that it is true that I have fallen in love with New Brunswick, with St. John. And really, um, it's been exciting, I think, to develop what I would say is now one of the leading emergency medicine research programs in Atlantic Canada, um, if not east of, of, of Ontario, um, certainly English-speaking east of Ontario. <laughs> We're narrowing it down. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> but actually, what I really want to acknowledge from um, Jeff is that when I first arrived here about eight years ago, we really needed to build from scratch. There was nothing. Uh, in, terms of the, in fact, the whole emergency care setting in St. John was looking a little grim at that time. They mm-hmm. had lost all the doctors. They were down to eight out of what should be 25 docs. Building a research program whenever you're actually just trying to survive was a little um, challenging. But I have to say that with 
a strategic plan and um, some some seed funding from the foundation at that time, we got up and going pretty quickly. And I think it actually helped us attract people here. So if you're innovative, if you get into cool stuff, if you link up with with other amazing people around the country and around the world, suddenly it helps you attract good people. And now we're we're full. We're we have some amazing physicians here, nurses, educators, researchers, and still receiving um, help from the foundation occasionally. So <laughs> actually, you know, that's really interesting because that's a story that's not well known, yeah, I don't think, yeah. in the region. At, at the least time least it was. It was front page, top of the fold news when our emergency department was uh, frankly okay. almost ready to shut down. Okay. Yeah. So Paul, you, you come and the mandate is to build the department and the service, but also become more research focused. Was that, is that how it was built or, uh, I mean, in terms of the recruitment to you? In terms of the recruitment, it was billed as a great opportunity to um, to build from the pieces that had fallen apart. But but more importantly as well, we had a new medical school here. So it wasn't all doom and gloom. We had a new medical school. We had some funding. So the, the government had stepped up and provided some academic funding. And we also, they had at that time brought in some other very uh, key leaders and um, great doctors from, from around the world from Australia, from Western Canada, some from the US. So they, they, they were building and I was part of that. So I, I, in no way would I claim it was anyway single-handed, but the, the mandate was to build a research program within that tied in with trauma, developing trauma program, and really just get some exciting stuff going that would excite people and bring them here. Well, so, and so I'd love to hear more about that. How do, how do you start from, you know, kind of the, the you, you had these, this, I don't want to say broken, but challenge system. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, what, tell us a little bit about, you talked about a strategic plan. Yeah. Like, like I, I'd be curious about how that, you know, kind of what the foundation of this was and how it built and where it is now. Mm. So you used the term foundation, and I know it's not, we're not here to, to do a commercial for the foundation, but I... Oh, uh, yes, we are. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> maybe a little bit. But, but, um, but I will say <laughs> no. that, that, that Jeff's organization, um, St. John Hospital, St. John Regional Hospital Foundation, um, came along and said, well, what do you need? And I said, well, what I really need is, is a research coordinator to work with me. So the, um, when you're a busy <coughs> clinician, you know, you don't have perhaps as much time as you should to develop programs. So mm-hmm. if you have somebody to assist you, to help you. So we got Jackie Fraser, who's a, still there as our fantastic research coordinator. And together, we put together a plan and we just built it up around four main pillars. We thought we're, we're a level one trauma center, so let's get some trauma work done. We need to educate people, so let's look at innovative ways to educate, so let's do educational research. I had brought with me some skills around what's called point of care ultrasound, which eight years ago was really cutting edge. The idea that when you come into the emergency department or wherever your care is, that I, instead of just pulling a, a stethoscope out and listening, I would pull out an ultrasound machine and actually look at your heart and look to see if your aorta was rupturing to, to, you know, to, to get the diagnostics right to the bedside. So we did a lot of research around that. Mm-hmm. And then the other pillar really was, well, that fit in with resuscitation research. And then we also thought this place had fallen apart and people were burning out. So we got into a little bit of research around stress and mental health and why people burned out. Mm-hmm. And that's been really interesting work and, as well. And that's critical across all departments. That's, you know, and especially all Emerge. All industries. But all industries. Yeah. Oh, totally. But I'm like, I, I, I see that. My, my wife is a physician as well. And I just see um, the, the type of hours that your profession demands of you and the situations 
clearly the, the, the stress level is way up there. Mm -hmm. So this research is probably world, uh, world, worldly relevant. You know, it's I think a, it is relevant, yeah. and and I think you know research takes time. But some, but one of the things that's I found really interesting and has helped me change how I deal with my job and and how I try to help others is that we found that a lot of it's down to what we call coping skills. So there's two real, you can, you can split the population into people who cope emotionally and those who cope by actually planning and changing things and, um, and, and sort of the logistics and, and even thinking strategically about how do I change this to deal with this. And so we found that, um, and we call those task-oriented copers, so if you're an emotive coper, if you're somebody who runs around getting angry, screaming, or crying, you burn out. If or if you're, you're an avoidant coper. If you're an avoidant coper. <laughs> if yes, I just perhaps. avoid the stress, mm -hmm. I don't imagine that would help. So either. yeah, and that'd be under emotional. So, I mean, and that really was was one of the first times that had been shown to be true in, in emergency care, where, where you often think, well, you don't have much choice. Things come at you, you have to deal with it. But in fact, that's mm -hmm. not true. Mm -hmm. But in, And so how does that, I mean, that's an interesting, I'm guessing you didn't come here imagining, you know, initially eight years ago that, uh, you know, one of the really relevant parts of all this would be around learning how to support people and coping better. No, I didn't. But And it's funny because one thing leads to another. And actually, I've now taken on another role and I, I do some, some uh, work with WorkSafe New Brunswick. And some of that work is also uh -huh. around you know, everybody thinks of WorkSafe New Brunswick as just an insurance agency and who pays you when you break your leg. But in fact, they do a lot of great work around preventing burnout, preventing emotional injury and work-related stress. So it's, it's yeah, the, I think you're right, br taking it outside of medicine and applying it to, you know, firefighters, police, mm -hmm. all of this is really important. Mm -hmm. And uh, Entrepreneurs. Entrepreneurs, mm -hmm. 100%. And yeah. then uh, <laughs> lo looping this back to the foundation, Jeff, uh, is this the sort of project that the foundation is set up to support oh, these yeah things. i mean all of this even just the theme if you forget just the specific content paul's talking about the theme of innovation and excellence that's that's our wheelhouse that's the kind of projects that our community look for look to get behind you know kind of the the standard of care or just the the basic things you should expect from a healthcare system that's our government's role but uh when you look at some of the things paul's describing um that's why when he approached us years ago it honestly it was kind of a no-brainer to support his initiatives because it's uh it's innovative it's new it's not being done elsewhere and is is it normal i guess i'm asking you both this question you know in, in a healthcare setting or system or or you know institution to have the the you know the support of a foundation like the St. John Regional Hospital, like, is this a typical structure yeah, that, that well, would be relied on by, by someone, in your case, Paul? Yep, yeah, I would say yes, yeah. They're, it's done somewhat differently, but there's no question that, it, certainly in North America, I can't speak, I don't just don't have the experience in, in Europe or other parts of the world, but certainly in North America, innovation typically comes from the community and in the ways of philanthropy or social enterprise or different different venues but that's pretty typical how each organization handles it or approaches it that's sensitive to their communities may be different but but that partnership is where you see really exciting innovations in healthcare happening it's in my opinion it happens because of a partnership and there are there are multiple streams of potential funding 
But I think it's it's incumbent upon government to put the money where it's proven to work. And I think that's why mm. we need foundations and, and the like to, to fund the innovation. Because really, you, you know, you need to see that, see if it works, research it, trial it. And then hopefully in time that will become, you know, standard of care. And then at that point, mm. hopefully we don't need for whatever we've developed will we'll be taken on and actually become well, standard. Well, how, how does that hopefully part work? After the, res- uh, after the innovation mm-hmm. happens and, uh, do- and you've, you've completely documented the innovation and it works as an experiment, how does it then transition over to status quo? Well, I, I, I'll use two examples. One, I'll, let's go back to the ultrasound model. So um, way back it was felt that, you know, the average eMERGE doc wouldn't, have the um, IQ or skills to to, to lift a, an ultrasound probe and, <laughs> and, and and look at the pictures and put it together and say, oh look, that's 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 an aortic aneurysm or your your fluid around your heart. But in fact, we showed that they're of course very able to do that. Um, and now, because of the the research work, the the, the paper showing one that it, that we're able to do it, that it's it's cost effective, it's reliable the hospital steps forward and says, this is actually going to save us money potentially by, by cutting down misdiagnoses. And so by proving that it works, you not always, but sometimes you end up receiving the appropriate funding and support to take this forward. And we have, we now have a, a full program, I'd say mm-hmm. a, a nationally leading program. And uh, people come here to train in these skills. Mm-hmm. The other example I would use, which I'm hoping will follow the same pattern. Oh, if this is the is, project you talk about, this is really Is cool. last year's Dragon's Den. We were really um, so pleased to take part and are really grateful for Jeff, um, to Jeff for inviting us to take part in that. And we ended up winning the competition last year. Um, so that gives us some funding for a project called, it's called eCPR. So it's ECMO in CPR. I th- think most people know what CPR is, it's resuscitation, it's mouth-to-mouth, it's, it's advanced cardiac life support when you have a cardiac arrest. So we're kind of looking at this idea of taking what I call bypass in a box. So the idea when you go for a for big heart surgery and you're going to get your coronary arteries fixed up or a new valve, you go on bypass. So they switch your heart off, and they put your blood through this machine, bypass machine, puts oxygen into it, pumps it around, keeps you alive. So What's the problem when you have a cardiac arrest, a heart attack, and you fall over? Your heart's not working. So this idea is to get you on to bypass while we work out what's wrong with your heart. This has taken off in certain centers. Uh, they're certainly doing it in France. In fact, they've, they've done it on the floor of the Louvre, which is cool, hmm. right? Oh. And, they've, um, <clears throat> and they've, they have it in a helicopter in, uh, I think it's in Norway, where they can fly up. They find somebody frozen in ice almost. They take them out, put them on this, keep them alive till they warm them up. So it's very innovative, but it's very expensive. We've devised a four-phase study to see if it's feasible first and then to simulate it. And the, the, we've previously received money from the foundation for the actual simulators. Now we're able to, so basically plastic mannequins that are, that are electronic inside and, and, and simulate <coughs> a person. We're going to hopefully, you know, make one of these simulators collapse uptown, call an ambulance and try and get them with extra equipment onto this bypass in a box or ECMO, keep, the, keep it alive while we get it through to the emergency department and off to the cath lab and fix the heart. Now, if we can do it in a simulated patient, the next phase, if we're successful, if we get through to this year's Dragon's Den, would be then to do that in real 
folks. So can I just say, Paul is being so polite and gentle with you guys. I don't, I don't know why, because when he talks to me, he says, okay, Jeff, let me dumb this down for you. <laughs> well, so thank you for doing that for us. No, Paul. You know, so, because the way we're, we're standing, like we, like we look like we're smart, You look like you really understand like, what he's yeah. talking about. So <laughs> let me dumb it down for you. And I, this is why I think this is so cool. So, I mean, if you can imagine someone has a, a trauma, there's, I don't know, you know, a trauma. It could be bloody, it could be intense. It's an intense scene, right? And so paramedics come in and someone is on top of this patient and doing CPR compressions and calling out orders and they're getting them in the ambulance and get them to the ER. It's a crazy, it's a crazy scene. There's chaos going on and you got to figure out what the heck is going on with this patient amidst this chaos. This program, it's this heart and lung machine in a box where you say, okay, trauma situation for this particular patient. We'll hook them up. Everybody chill out. Let's just figure out what's going on. Let's take a minute. This person's not going to die. Their heart and lungs are working on this box. Let's just figure out what's going on here. When he dumbed it down for me like that, I, you know, kind of a- That is pretty cool. It was amazing. Yeah, yeah. And so so this is an example of something that our health authority government would, would never touch because it's it's very expensive. There's so many, there's more questions than answers. So Paul's got this multi, uh, this cross-functional team together to say, well, look, we can actually get some seed money from investors in the community to test and see, is this feasible? It's feasible elsewhere. Would it work here? Is it affordable here? Is it something we should really do? So, Well, which leads to the question, you know, that gave birth to, to some of the funding to support this is this whole Dragon's Den type of mm-hmm. um, uh, format that, that the foundation's created. So maybe yeah. the, tell the listeners about that because you know, sure, you, you, yeah. you, your, your team was the, the researchers that won. I guess, yeah, out of, three, out of four projects. Paul's okay. team was uh, was the winning team. So really, the, just really briefly, the whole team, a lot of folks are familiar with sort of innovation hubs and Dragon's Den type, you know, on CTV or CBC or wherever. Um, Shark Tank. Shark Tank, exactly, yeah. So we the, the, the idea came from two originating concepts. We as a foundation, our board of directors, we hear these innovative, exciting, amazing projects all the time behind closed doors. And we often choose one or two that we can take to the community to fund in a given year. So we wanted to open up the doors of the boardroom so that people could see these friggin' amazing ideas that are happening in this little tiny center in Atlantic Canada that's doing world-class ideas. We wanted people to see and hear and be part of that excitement. Number two, I was tired of going to rubber chicken dinners. And so we wanted to have an, a fun innovative fundraising evening where people come out and they feel like they're contributing to something really great, but they also walk away having a lot of fun. So we took this model and uh, had, we we have three, drag, four dragons, pardon me, who are business folks. They're not medical folks. They are experts in international business. Uh, this next spring, the four of them have donated $500,000 and we're going to have three medical projects pitched on stage in front of 800 people. And there's going to be some fun banter and interaction so that these non-medical yet business folks can really understand uh, the project. At the end of the night, they're going to pick one project that walks away with a half million bucks to have their project funded. So we piloted this and, and Paul's project was the, uh, he was the lead for the project that won. Had great response from the audience members. Our dragons had a lot of fun. Does the pilot include money? Yep. Yep. <laughs> okay, that's good. I just <laughs> want to check that. Yeah, yeah. 75 grand was the pilot project. Nice. Um, there was a second project that received 20 grand and, uh, uh, pardon me, there was a second project that received another 75 and that was a bit of a surprise. The night of that came from the audience and another sponsor that was totally spontaneous. We meant to fund one. And then a third one uh, received sort of a consolation prize of 20 grand. But since then, because they had that vote of confidence from this event, they've been able to leverage that to get another 75,000 and some in kind. So there are three out of four projects funded that one night. And people got to see behind these closed doors all of this innovation that's happening in our hospital. And the, the interesting thing, Jeff, is 
I know you, I know the foundation very well, and I've never thought of it this way. You know, in what way? In sort it, of it, just it, that, like <clears throat> the it, it's an incubator of ideas. Yeah, like, I've always understood it was where innovation lives. Mm. But now I fully get it. It's like governments aren't going right. to take the risk on this stuff. I want us to be that hub where, I mean, if you're an investor, if you're an entrepreneur rather, and you've got this great idea, if you don't get that idea communicated to potential investors, you're never going to get more investment. You're, it's just going to remain an idea. So I want us to be that for the healthcare system. I want us to take these awesome ideas that people will never hear about unless we bring them to investors. And when I say investors, they're typically philanthropic investors. Maybe there's going to be a project we'll commercialize one day. I don't know. Uh, but I want us to be that hub where we connect people who want to show their gratitude for the care they've received by innovation, innovative projects, supporting innovative projects. Could, could there be some, like you say, commercialization and IP uh, patents, patenting and uh, all this? Uh, and would the foundation it, yeah. be the holder of that or the innovators? Like, uh, like how, how could, could yeah. that work? So, uh, so I'm working on a model right now where we're, we're re we've really our team, I should say, over many decades of doing this work, have become quite sophisticated in the philanthropy side and fundraising. How do we do it? How do we, we're going to continue to get better and tweak that and adjust that. We're a business just like any other business. We just happen to be charitable. We have never explored as an organization, some of the other sources of revenue, whether mm -hmm. it's IP, commercialization, social enterprise. And I'm it's very much on my strategic plan to be developing those. So we're working on some plans oh, I love that. to just try something new in that so field. just to carry that forward so so in your project what what does success look like it looks like another you know it's out of simulation into like yeah. how, how does that what happens? so i would say initially success this year and into early next year will be that we can join up the different teams to and really help them collaborate clinically in a way that they haven't done before to be able to have maybe four different teams of people right from em you know dispatch e uh, paramedics, emergency department, uh, in fact, it's more than four, um, perfusionists, cardiologists, and cardiac surgeons all work together within a 45-minute to 60-minute time frame to save a life. So that, wow. to me, is success, to, to just show that we can all work together. And then, hopefully, we're going to see, and, and let me just, the potential impact of this is incredible. I hope none of us have a cardiac arrest mm -hmm. concern. I mean, of course. But if we do, currently, we have a... If we do, I hope it's right now we with have Paul about, in the room. <laughs> we have, in New Brunswick, about, at best, five, at absolute best, 10% chance of survival. Really? And if you're outside a city, it drops to about 1% or 2%. Eef. If we get this program up and working, and if we can achieve the same success rates that they're getting in Australia, for instance, that could be over 50% survival. So that's what we're aiming for. Success is saving lives. Mm. But the first step is to get the team together, get the collaboration, and then actually start saving lives. I could almost imagine, you know, you, you could almost license a system of how do you get these people to interact with each other. Do you know what I mean? In a, in a, in a, in a, in a cooperative way. I mean, it's, it's, anyways, it's fascinating yeah. to imagine. Yeah. And actually, in a, on, uh, you know, being a little flippant right now, but, but you know, uh, anyone that knows New Brunswick knows we have a population issue. I mean, this is there's another reason this should be really helpful to save more lives, <laughs> so our population doesn't dip any further than it yes. already has. Um, that is fascinating. Mm. One thing, if you allow me to just add to that, that I think is important, and Jeff has touched upon how the foundation can be a local um, driver for innovation and. And, and really, and research and pushing things forward. And I think New Brunswick needs this because so often we are part of somebody else's dream, somebody else's plan. Mm. And sure, I'm a, I'm a professor at Dalhousie University and I'm very proud of that. I love it, I love Dal, it's a great university, but you know what? 
it's still seen wherever I go. Oh, you're in Halifax? Well, no, I'm in St. John. Oh, really? Well, you're a Dal? And there's confusion. So, and I'm not saying we should walk away from Dal, but I'm saying that, you know, we need to start thinking about mm. something else local and what is the dream for New Brunswick in terms of medical research and, and what umbrella do we do that under? And could that be foundation? You know, like, could the foundation plug part of that hole in a way? Like, I think they could help support it. As, mm-hmm. he, as he looks over at uh, Jeff. Yeah, well, there are other <laughs> issues to get around. No, listen, I talk about it all the time with my board. Yeah. Absolutely. I, I want us to be the conduit. I don't think we are the be-all and end-all, but I think we can be that agent that connects the innovation and the investment. Absolutely, there's a role for us. I think that's what we're here for. Mm. We've just done it from the philanthropic angle so far. So now we need to expand that into other revenue streams. Ah. I've got some ideas offline. Wicked. We'll I can't wait. Um, so we have, to, we have to wrap this up. Jeff, right now, you've got a, a, a few campaigns on the go. We do, yeah. So why don't we go through those right now? Just like, what are the, the few different ways that locals, but even people from abroad mm-hmm. can, can participate to help fund this innovation? And the cool thing about this is, if you're not from New Brunswick, investing in the St. John Hospital Foundation is actually going to impact you mm-hmm. anyway, because it is a leading foundation with research, the triple, uh, the the ripple effects are huge. Right. So here we are with a with an international audience, and I'm asking straight up people to support this just for fun, cool. twenty six <laughs> bucks if they want, or twenty six thousand yeah. dollars, whatever. So so thanks. I, I guess I would encourage people to get more information at at thegive.ca, simple website, thegive, or le give if you're French New Brunswick. <laughs> uh, so yeah, so we, we, we have a, a whole bunch of campaigns. We've got uh, one sort of a renovation of an ambulatory space in our hospital. We've got another project um, that has a really special storytelling element at that website and on our Facebook page for our heart center. We have one of the leading cardiac centers in Canada. They do phenomenal work. Uh, other than a heart transplant, you will not get better cardiac care anywhere else in London, England, in Toronto, in Vancouver, New York, St. John, we got an amazing heart center. And so we've, we've created three, uh, I think really compelling short stories about the impact. Uh, the theme when we were creating these was the missing person who would be the missing people in your life were it not for a heart center. Mm. And so, uh, folks can see those videos at the give.ca or a Facebook page. And, um, yeah. Just for, for context purposes, I mean, this idea of this, you know, the bypass, if we go, mm-hmm. we go back to that for a second, um, I, I didn't really appreciate that until I had the opportunity to actually sit in and watch this happen. Mm. And, uh, and I was doing some work with uh, Mark Belche and Mark at one point said, you know, Dave, you should come in and actually see what I do. Very and I cool. said, mm. I said, okay, you know, and, 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 and all the listeners will know I, I am the least medical, you know, inclined person probably, um, in this room for sure. But, um, I didn't know what I was getting myself into. Right. It was fascinating. It is. Now the embarrassing side of that is I barely got through it because I couldn't, my brain couldn't comprehend what it was seeing. Right. Um, you was know, it open heart? Is that what yeah, you saw? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And this whole bypass. And, and at one point, you know, I was encouraged to stand and, t- and look down wow. and, and uh, my splash guard started kind of getting foggy. That's and, pretty special. And then, I was, and then I encouraged myself to leave <laughs> and come back. Are we queasy? Oh, I, I almost went. I almost went out. It wow. was. It was. But but what I so so that's <laughs> the embarrassing side of it. I mean, and I could hear them all <laughs> laughing as I walked out. Oh, good coach there, Mark. <laughs> but what was really and, and Mark's obviously you know lets me share the story. But it was it's like to to the idea of world class. Mm-hmm. Like I was struck. I had yeah. no idea in my backyard. Yep. This sort of thing was happening. It's incredible. And the, and, yeah. and the stuff that you're doing, Paul. Like, so it's I, amazing. So I, it's really I know cool. we got to wrap, but I, I too, like you, got to watch an open heart, and it was one of the most phenomenal experiences I've ever seen in my life. Uh, two months ago, I got to watch an, uh, a wide-awake craniotomy. Oh, 
So the patient was wide awake and speaking to the surgeon who was working on her brain at the time. And I was able, had the privilege of being able to watch that with the permission of the patient. It's unbelievable. I mean, again, we have this complex, I think, in New Brunswick and St. John. We're so tiny. This is a world-class health center. And folks don't know. Because when you're there, you're thinking about yourself or your loved one. But if you're in a position like mine, you're able to step back and actually see what kind of a center of expertise it is. It's phenomenal. So, Dave, I challenge to you, you got to come to our Dragon's Den event in April because you're going to hear three phenomenal ideas that will blow your mind, but you won't have the gore. <laughs> so you won't feel queasy. I'm there. I'm there. Awesome. And I think I think uh, you could be you could be a you could donate. You could be one of the philanthropists. I already have donated, uh, Dave. That's right. Yes, uh, he has, indeed. I went to the give.ca, and I, 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 I <laughs> pulled out my plug. visa, and I, I, how about you? Have, you, you, have you donated to the give.ca yet, Dave? Dave? Ask Jeff. Dave has definitely been a donor for us okay. for, for many years <laughs> nice. now. Does yeah. donating nice. a bottle of cider count? It does. <laughs> it sure, it sure, <laughs> it sure does. Philanthropy so, comes in many yeah. shapes. <laughs> so here's a question. Um, what? How many more tickets do I need to, to purchase to win the house? Oh my gosh, our home lottery. Like we are literally a couple of days away from selling out. Our, our, we haven't even hit our early bird deadline. It's next Friday and uh, we're, we're a couple of days from selling out probably. Fantastic. Yeah. And just as a, as a fun little thing, it was us that helped them on the, the videos. Beautiful so job. Uh, on a, uh, well, thanks Jeff. I mean, really, you guys are, are really the ones that said yes. So shameless plug, but it's it's that type of innovation that they're doing too. They're, they're yeah. being creative with their marketing, which mm-hmm. is not, mm-hmm. you don't expect hospital foundations to be so creative with Dragon's Den and, mm. you know, making really emotional commercials and mm-hmm. things like this. It's great, great stuff. So go to the give.ca, check it out. That's um, thank you, Jeff, for everything that you do. Thank you, Paul, for everything you do. Thanks for having us. Um, and uh, yeah, so let's, uh, it, I, I don't care if you're not from New Brunswick, check out the give.ca. Right on. And I dare you. To put a $26 donation in. That's it. Awesome. 26 bucks or 26000 It's up to you, but <laughs> go for it. Thank you so much, guys. Thanks for checking out this episode of Boiling Point. Remember to rate and subscribe to us on iTunes and follow us on Twitter at Boiling Point Pod. To see more from Dave Vale, check out leadershipunleashed.ca or visioncoachinginc.com and on Twitter at Dave underscore Vale. And to catch up with Greg, Visit Hemmingshouse.com and at Greg Hemmings on Twitter. Thanks for listening and remember, keep that pot boiling. Hi, this is Candace Sampson, the voice behind What She Said. My show is your destination for stories that not only entertain, but also educate and empower. Every week, I spotlight strong female voices from across Canada, women who are changing the narrative and driving change. Don't miss out on these inspiring episodes. Subscribe on Apple, Spotify, and Amazon Music, or head over to whatshesaidtalk.com. What She Said can also be heard on blasttheradio.com, Mondays at 5 p.m. and Wednesdays at 7 p.m. That's blasttheradio.com. It's time to dive into the stories that truly matter.